All right, everyone, hot on the skid marks of last week's e-bike podcast that was inevitably going to rustle some feathers, including my own, I have to admit, we're going to keep talking about things with motors, which I'm sure will go over very well with absolutely every pinker out there. I'm Mike Levy, and on today's podcast, we're talking vehicles for mountain bikers. Now, this is a podcast that I've wanted to do for ages now, and I think there's a lot of riders out there who end up with trucks, vans, and even cars that have been chosen specifically because they were mountain bikers or are mountain bikers. Many of us have spent time in the back of a ratty shuttle truck or slept in the back of our wagon mid-road trip, Casimir, or maybe you own a sweet van conversion that you Instagram from. The point is, while we're all mountain bikers around here, and we love bikes, sometimes vehicles go hand in hand with our sport. Casimir, we're going to eventually do an entire episode about road trip stories, because I know that both you and I have lots of stuff to share on that topic. But maybe for now, do you have one favorite road trip that you can remember? And why is it that time that we drove to Sedona together in my Delica? I don't know if that's my favorite road trip. It was memorable because we had to wear a sleeping bag because it was so cold in the Delica and it was like winter time. So all of us were wearing sleeping bags while we were driving. And that yeah. thing, I don't, and you wouldn't let us drive it because it was such a sketchy vehicle. And then finally, like months later, you let me drive it. And then I was even more scared after the fact. <laughs> it, yeah, it wasn't in very good shape during those, during some of those trips. So I was a little nervous to let other people drive it. It's yeah, also right hand drive. It had brakes. <laughs> You just have to think ahead. I think I had one break out of four. I don't know which one it was. but <laughs> <laughs> it had you breaks. You just got to plan, plan a long ways ahead, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of going really slow in a van for 30 hours, Alicia Leggett is joining us today. And while she's not currently living in a van, I'm looking at her right now. She seems to be in a room. She's definitely spent some years van lifing, and she's going to be telling us all about it. Tips, tricks, maybe some nightmares. Alicia, where is the sketchiest place you've ever parked and slept in your van? Oh, man. I can't say that I've parked in terribly sketchy places, but really anywhere where I'm woken up in the night is pretty awful. Like, I think that's a pretty reasonable thing to be horrified by. But I think the worst was in Mammoth Lakes, California. I found this sweet spot right next to this little pond and thought it was going to be amazing. This is actually pre-van. I'm sorry, this isn't my Subaru, but I think it counts. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, at like 2 a.m., it was really hot, so I had all the windows open. And I woke up with a guy just inches from my face with a flashlight. He was the Mammoth Mountain security guy. And he's like speaking from six inches away that I can't be there. And I, I think it's the only time in my life that I've woken up and legitimately screamed. It was just not the way I ever want to wake up again. So since then, I've been pretty careful about no. just not being bothered. It was You should yeah, have just unpleasant. maced him. Just through the open window. Just mace in your face. <laughs> Maybe not if he's a park guy. But that is definitely not the right way to wake somebody up who's sleeping not. in their vehicle. No. It was just so close no, to my face. Definitely not. With the flashlight. Yeah, other than that, I can't say I have any real right. stories about being woken up, but that was unpleasant. I think that's probably a good thing, Alicia. I would say so. I tried to avoid it. All right. The lorry to my truck is here as well. James Smurthwaite. James, I know you've got to run after telling us about this week's news and can't join us for our chat about mountain bikers vehicles. So I wanted to ask you right now, what is your dream vehicle? And does it have anything to do with riding? This is good timing, actually, because I'm currently looking to buy my first ever car um, 
because I moved out of London. I live in Scotland now, um, and I need a car to get around, so that's pretty exciting. Um, but the budget is small, so it's between a, a Honda Jazz and a Vauxhall Zafira at the moment. They are currently like oh. what I would, uh, what I'm aiming for. Um, but I mean, yeah, dream vehicle, all time so, vehicle. Like I'm, I'm not in, I'm not in Europe, James. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me are those trucks? Or are those are those like tiny little trucks or vans or are those cars? What are those things? Oh, they're, they're cars with. Um, just like as big a boot as possible and then like hopefully if you get like a big enough boot you put the seats down you can get two or three bikes in at a push um yeah that's that's the dream at the moment yeah so you are when you're gonna when you buy your vehicle you're buying it specifically for riding it's a consideration not just for riding like it's a car but like it's got to it's if it doesn't take bikes it's, it's a no yeah yeah fair enough all right so it's different than my approach where i choose my vehicle specifically because then I can't use it for riding, right? Yeah, your approach is very weird, Levy. I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James, tell us about the news. I heard we've got a new field test. You heard that, did you? Um, yeah. yeah. First up, um, I imagine um, this will probably we'll probably do a full podcast about this in the coming weeks. Um, but it has now been launched, so there's going to be five Enduro bikes, and for the first time, four EMTB reviews coming over the next few weeks. So just to go through them quickly, those five Enduro bikes, that's the GT Force Carbon Pro LE, the YT Capra Core 4, Transition Spire GX Carbon, Norco Range C1, and the one I'm most excited about um, is the We Are One Arrival. On the EMTB side of things, there's the Specialized Canevo, the Norco Range VLT C1, Common Cell Metapower, and the Grim E Donut. Okay, it's actually an embargoed bike, we can't talk about it yet, but let's just say... It won't come as much of a surprise if you've been uh, into the comment section on that intro article. Um, we're going to be putting them through the usual tests, including um, efficiency. The impossible climb is back. There's going to be a new battery test and the infamous hook to flat. Speaking of which, um, we've had another failure. Is that right, Liv? I don't think we're supposed to. We were supposed to keep them guessing, but we definitely did have a very graphic <laughs> failure, a very, uh, yeah, we've got it all on the phantom camera. Put your guesses in the comments below as to you think what failed. Cause I'm always surprised. Like the ramp we use is like, it's like a foot and a half. I don't even think it's two feet high. And I know Jason's getting a little bit of pop. I've seen the video, but it's crazy to me that anything breaks from yeah, this. It's a weird one. Yeah. I was surprised too. Yeah, the video, the video footage is impressive. So, so good. <laughs> yeah, the, the human body that happens, the things that happen to Jason's body also worth watching and cringing. Jason's okay, we should say. He yeah. Most, he's mostly okay. Mostly. He's, he's got a sore, sore ankle. Should also I say that like, it's, we're, not test, we're not doing the hook to test flat to break bikes. Like It's just no. to see what the suspension cycle is like, right? And Yeah. Yeah, it's, things shouldn't be failing that, I don't think. Um Anyway, we won't get too much into the nitty gritty now, but Levy, um, I want to ask without giving too much away, what was the biggest thing that surprised you from this test? Um, I think that we are one arrival. Uh, Matt and Henry both really, really liked that bike. It had the least amount of travel of the bikes on test. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about timing right now, but let's just say it's pretty dang quick and the guys liked it a lot. Um, and Kaz. Have you seen that thing in person? Did you see it in person yet? No, I still haven't seen it in person. It wasn't there last time I was up. It looks good. On the God picture. damn, does it look good. So good. Cool. Yeah. So I think for me, that's that's the highlight for me. And the bike's got an interesting story too. So yeah. 
Well, those videos are going to be dropping over the next few weeks. We're starting with the enduro bikes already. Some will have gone up by the time this comes out. So yeah, keep an eye on the homepage and keep up to date with all of that. Next up, we've got a bike that's probably glad it wasn't released before last week's episode, the Scott Patron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that would you have been amazing. <laughs> so the Scott Spark that was released earlier this year had that integrated shock in the down tube. Um, the same te- sorry, in the seat tube, um, that same technology is now being used in a 160mm travel EMTB. This is supposed to sit between the electrified versions of the Genius and the Ransom that Scott already produces. Um, and the Swiss brand, they claim it's going to be the new benchmark of integration. So this thing, it's 29-inch wheels, a big battery, but at the same time, it can only use a nude shock. It has twin lock. It has built-in lights. I have to ask, like, what type of ride did you think this is for? Cats, <laughs> you go know. first. <laughs> I mean, I just, there's a guy, I just want to meet who's making these things. Like, when you look at the cockpit of this one, so you get the three twin lock levers, but then you get the mode shifter for the Bosch motor above it. So now you have five different things to push on the left side of the handlebars. You have a little thing that sticks out of the top cap that tells you more stuff. Like, I don't know. This is, is for, like, the lights. it's like for Batman or something. Like, someone that wants all the gadgets. Yeah, the lights, like... I guess maybe lights are clever, but I don't know. I think they just went like crazy. It's like a crazy person is like, I'm going to do everything we can to this bike. Yeah. I, I mean, I like stuff from the future and I think the industrial design of this bike is pretty neat. Like, I think it's a neat thing. If I wasn't a mountain biker and I saw this bike somewhere, I would look at it and be like, well, that's a neat thing of some sort, but the integrated lights and fenders and stuff. I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Do you guys want that on your mountain bike? I don't know. It's got kind of like a Sky Mall feel. Like something, you remember the Sky Mall catalogs when you would go flying and they'd have like yeah. all the gadgets? It just has like everything. I'm sure it probably works well. It just. Well, the Geo is questionable, isn't it? Doesn't it have like a relatively short reach for a brand new bicycle that's meant to be ridden hard? It's 473 for a large. So, yeah. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. That's 65 right. pretty head angle as well. Yeah, the the Geo's kind of what you'd expect, I guess. Um, Should we get one? Maybe we're wrong about it. Scott, maybe we're wrong about it. I think think we probably maybe will at some point. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to be wrong about it. I also, I have a question too about the shock enclosed in the frame. So Kaz, you have that Scott right now with the shock hidden in the frame. It's a completely different layout, but the shock is hidden in the frame. Do you think there's any sort of heat issues that could possibly come from this or are we thinking too hard about this i think probably thinking too hard i mean it's going to get less airflow but i mean if you're really worried you probably just drill holes in that plastic cover that's on the underside there like if you take it off yeah or take it off like it doesn't that's yeah yeah, i just i'm a little confused by the obsession with hiding the shock i just really don't know why you need to do that it makes it look clean like nice lines yes so yeah. yeah. You know, I just think this bike needs hookworms and it needs it to be like an urban assault stair hucking thing. Oh yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should get one. It's funny yeah, you should we'll say that because we'll they, they have also released a commuter version of this bike. Um, the day after they dropped same the frame? mountain bike version, very similar, if not the same, I've not actually looked too deeply at it, but it's got the same layout with the, the hidden shock and the lights and things like that. So it's not yeah. a good look if it's the Speaks same frames. <laughs> I'm going to say that. <laughs> Hardcore commuting in um in anyway. five years do you think um every scott bike is gonna have this hidden shock design or um what not it seems like it yeah i mean i, I don't know we'll see yeah well we see we see companies going 
taking all of their bikes a certain direction with industrial design. That's a pretty common thing. We see Rocky doing that. Their bikes are all kind of same silhouette, Santa Cruz, um, other bikes. So, I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. I think when you hide the shock in the frame like that, I think it presents some design challenges and adds complication and proprietariness. Proprietariness that people don't like. Um, So I hope not, to be honest with you. But I mean, it does look cool too. So what do I know? Okay, moving on to um, more weird and wonderful stuff from Uruk. Uh, Eurobike happened in Friedrichshafen uh, for the last time. I personally couldn't be happier. I've been there five or six times. Absolutely hate that town. It's moving to Frankfurt, which I think is great news. Um, Seemed like a bit of a smaller show this year. I think that's understandable with COVID. We haven't really had many trade shows to speak of at all for the past two years. Um, But there were plenty of highlights regardless. So rather than get too bogged down let, let's talk about those highlights um what was the favorite thing you saw at the show for me it was the the cybro n6 that's 180 millimeter travel um carbon hardcore hardtail that costs seven and a half thousand euros i'd never buy one definitely look cool um how about you kaz i like that with that insanity gravity that titanium super high pivot bike i don't want to really ride one but i'm just glad that it exists and i like that he used a chain ring for the idler pulley like <laughs> that's impressive there's a boatload of racing this week as well with a double header ews downhill and xc world cups as well so i'll just quickly pick through those results um jack moyer won both the men's ews races while hattie harnden and isbo cordoria shared the honors for the women verge and nicole claimed back-to-back wins in the downhill and in the xc luana lecomte secured the overall title following a win for evie richards while victor koretsky won in the men's race um, Nino was second, Levy. Um, so that's the end of the European mm. race season. <laughs> We're off to North America for the final rounds of all the series, as well as Crankworks and Rampage. It's going to be a really busy autumn for racing, which is cool. Um, I think maybe the most kind of interesting or newsworthy thing to come out the weekend was the fact that Pauline from Provo is withdrawing from the rest of the season. She was running second in the overall before this, but said she feels deeply tired mentally and physically. Obviously, mental health is a big talking point in sport at the moment. Athletes such as Nomi Osaka, Simone Biles, and um, all stepping back to kind of protect themselves. Pauline, she definitely got a bit of a beasting after the Olympics in the French press, which kind of could have affected her. Can't have felt great, that's for sure. And we're also keeping our fingers crossed that her iliac fibrosis isn't back for a third time. Um, What did you guys make of this one? I think it's really hard being an elite athlete and being expected to perform like that all the time. And people just think of the, people just think of the physical side of it, right? Like they just think like, you're a machine, you go do this, you train, you do that, you eat this, you smash people. But I mean, the mental side of it is huge. And I don't know what's going on with PFP. I hope she's all good eventually and comes back and kicks some ass. Um, but yeah, at some point you just got to say, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to chill for a little while. So yeah, hopefully she comes back. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good that her sponsors are kind of have allowed her to do that as well um, and support her kind of taking a bit of time away. And yeah, like you say, you know, she's a a great champion. She's been one of the most successful cyclists full stop um, for the past decade. Um, Yeah, so it'd be great to see her back at the top soon. Yeah. And I think some of the some of it, I mean, I'm I'm completely guessing here, but when you are kicking ass for that long, like that is that's hard work. It's tiring as hell. And I think sometimes just taking a step away and staying fresh will help. So hopefully that happens. 
Yeah, and we only see like the highlights on on social media and on Red Bull. We only see the good bits, right? You know, like Rachel Atherton talks a lot about how she struggles with nerves and she'll often be like throwing up before races and really goes through a battle before every run. So, um, yeah, it's not always kind of what's portrayed on social media, I guess. Kaz, imagine throwing up at work because you're so, but you're also the best. Like, yeah, it would be. I don't usually throw up at work. Luckily. Yeah, I couldn't. I could, so much nerves and so many things going on. It's tricky yeah. for sure. Let's end on a piece of good news, and that is Stevie Smith's mum, Tiana, who was surprised with a Bowhead adaptive bike at his annual memorial race. Tiana was one of the unlikely stars of seasons. She was shown shuttling Stevie and Prevost. Um, her sacrifices were a big part of his rise to being the best in the world. And since his passing, she also runs the Stevie Smith Foundation in his honor. Um, Stevie sponsors organized the bike, and that's going to allow her to kind of explore the trails around Vancouver Island. Um, she said, I've decided it's time to not waste a minute because you never know what's going to happen. Steve taught me a lot. I thought this was a really great story and I hope she, she makes lots of great memories on that bike. Yeah. Have you seen those bowhead things, Cass? They look like a ton of fun. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Kind of like a three-wheel electric electric thing. Yeah. But yeah, there, it's awesome that she can get around there. There's a guy in town here that I see him on the estuary trails and, and the single track around town and he is having a blast. I kind of want to try one. <laughs> yeah, I bet they're fun. Yeah. This week's Pink Bike Podcast is presented by Lapierre Bikes. Founded in 1946, the French bike manufacturer is celebrating its 75th anniversary this year. While Dijon, the capital of the Burgundy region, is famous for its wines and mustard, is also famous for its local bike brand. Innovation is in Lapierre's DNA, with bikes like the Zesty, Spicy and Overvolt GLP. The brand is celebrating all year, including a special 75th anniversary range of bikes in the pipeline. Visit www.lapierre-bikes.com for more info. All right. And that ad read brings us to the questions. Now we're going to do a whole Q&A question episode real soon, maybe next week, actually. So I'm only going to do one or two questions here. We're going to save some more for, for that episode. The first one, Kaz, this is from Big Pappy 69 <laughs> I mainly picked him because of his username. <laughs> so Big Pappy 69 says... Twin, la twin lock on an e-bike is probably one of the most pointless things I have ever seen. Kaz, you've been riding some e-bikes. You've also been using twin lock. So my question for you is, is he right? Do people, is it, are pedal assist levers silly for e-bikes? Do you just leave your suspension open all the time? What's the deal with this? Yeah, I think they're pretty silly for e-bikes. It is. You, you have that motor so you can run it open, get all the traction. The efficiency is not as big of a deal because the motor makes you go up the hill so yeah i don't really see the need for twin lock i mean it would you know it affect the ride feel a little bit of that bike but it seems like extra complication on top of on top of other things so yeah, i agree with him enough. that's kind of what i thought too our next question this is from free hub free mind this is more of a comment that i'm going to answer actually <laughs> He says, the environmental impact discussion during the podcast was basically e-bikes are worse for the environment than usual bikes, but don't think about that since you're already doing things that negatively impact the environment anyway. So he commented that on last week's e-bike podcast. So Freehub, Freemind, that is a huge subject, and it's also sort of one that is different depending on where you live. Different countries, different zones have different laws and rules for e-bikes, where you can ride them and where you can't ride them. Um, but it is something that we're going to devote an entire podcast to at some point. And that's why we didn't talk about it too much in that podcast. So there you go. 
All right, we're going to go on to our last question, and this is going to lead us into our discussion. PB user ShredBC, he says, mountain bike vehicles of choice. The world of car nerds and bike geeks are very similar, he says, and he'd imagine there's a pretty large overlap in the PB community. So, Casimir, he wants to hear about my clapped out mini, and he also wants to hear about how you're going to put a lift kit and big tires on your wet cardboard box of an Astro van, he says. That's kind of mean, Shred BC. Casimir's Astro van is pretty sweet. I, d- I described it as that, to be fair. That's oh, you? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that is fair then. <laughs> it does drive like a wet cardboard box, so he's not wrong. Okay. Shred BC, I'm going to be 100% honest with you and admit that at about 4 p.m. yesterday, I was staring at the wall trying to come up with a podcast idea, and I saw your comment, and I was like, perfect. <laughs> you saved me. So today, we're going to talk about vehicles for mountain bikers. What makes sense, what doesn't, but we want anyway, dream vehicles for riding, and some modifications that might make life easier. Now, vehicles for mountain bikers is a pretty broad topic, and I think some of that, Kaz, has to do with what kind of riding you do and the type of bike you own. So I feel like some of the stereotypes do apply here, Kaz, like... I always picture a tightly wound roadie showing up to the coffee shop in a white BMW with German techno music playing, and he might yell at the barista, but he also might not. I'm not sure. So Kaz, if you grew up riding downhill and free ride bikes in the Pacific Northwest, what's the one type of vehicle that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, that's the the pickup truck, just like a crappy pickup truck. Ford Ranger, some little Nissan or something with 5,000 bikes jammed into the back and everybody hanging off. That's kind of like the go-to just works usually. Right? Maybe a tailpipe, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> it might no, fall it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alicia, have yeah. you spent any time doing shuttle runs in the back of a sketchy pickup truck or is that more of a BC Pacific Northwest thing only? No, I think that's everywhere that does shuttle runs. I certainly right? have. Yeah, yeah you, I think it's the classic shuttle vehicle. It is. Do you have any? Do you have any shuttle stories? Like, have you ever been in the back of a shuttle truck and been like, "I don't know if this is worth it"? Because here in BC, we have some sketchy shuttle trucks. Yeah, I think we all have those experiences where we're watching our bikes get jostled around and like watching someone else's brake lever dig into our top tube. That's something I really hate and. Yeah, I think yeah. we've all seen that happen to our bikes, and it's yeah. marginally worth it. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bike break once. That uh, let's see if I. Well, yeah, I can say it. it was a Jill Kittner's mom was driving, and she was shelling, doing nothing wrong. But the uh, you know the bike was on the tailgate, hit like a huge bump, and the bike went up, and it just smashed right on the tailgate. Kind of found the spot between the shuttle pad and and the tailgate, oh. and it broke the frame. Oh, shit. Yeah. It wasn't her fault at all, but I just thought it was kind of funny that, like, Jill's mom was driving and the bike just was like, boom, and yeah. Oh, man. Carbon bikes aren't good for shuttling. No, not so much. Have you guys ever lost a bike while shuttling? No, I haven't. (laughs) I know know you have, Kaz, all those years. Yeah, this was years ago. We were, like, going up to Pemberton, and back in the day before shuttle, this is, like, makes me sound really old, but, like, shuttle pads didn't used to be a thing. So we used to Mickey Mouse the bikes, like you put them upside down so that the wheels are, you know, the handlebars are in the bed of the bike, wheels are sticking up and you can fit a ton of bikes that way. Mm -hmm. So we had them like that all strapped down 
we're driving up this road and suddenly all the bikes flipped out over the side of the tailgate, like six bikes just tipped over and we're just hanging next to the truck. Like <laughs> all stuck to each other. Yeah. Right? Just stuck to each other. And we're like, Oh, like that was, that was probably the most carnage. I think all the bikes were fine ish. I mean, these are old like free ride bikes, bikes. So they're yeah. all definitely all aluminum back then, but that was the most bikes I've ever seen come out of a truck at once at a high speed. Yeah. So I've, I've lost a few bikes, which isn't surprising. One time, so again, this is before tailgate pads. There was no such thing as a tailgate pad. And also when tailgate pads first came out, they never used to have straps on them that would hold the bike in. They were just the pad. So one time I had my Cannondale uh, Profit 4-Cross on the tailgate of my lifted Ford Ranger and I left the bike shop. I might have been young and irresponsible. I left the bike shop in a hurry, you might say. And it was like two in the morning and it flipped out of the back of the truck and ended up in the middle of the road. And I drove all the way home, realized that my bike wasn't in the back of the pickup truck, and then drove back to the bike shop at about 200 kilometers an hour. And somebody had picked it up and just leaned it against a building. I guess they saw it fall out of the truck and thought I'd come back. And yeah, we also we also had a bike fall off a rack one time and it literally, it was a giant warp. It literally got run over by a semi truck on the highway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Working at shops, I've definitely seen people come in with their bikes and you're like, just the worst carnage. You feel so bad when they do just launch off. The, it's usually roof racks where they come flying off of. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Alicia. I lied. I did once lose a bike off a roof rack. It wasn't shuttling, but so I had a rack on one side of the top of my Subaru and I was driving up this sketchy dirt road. I don't even remember why I was going up this dirt road because I wasn't biking. I drove up and I drove back down and there is this slanted cable across the road. Like, some sort of power line tower support cable, I think. Sounds dangerous. Well, it was fine on the way up. I checked it. I drove under really slowly. My bike cleared it. I didn't think about the fact that it was slanted. So it's like slanted down to the right. And on the way back down, my bike, I was all confident. I had checked the last time. It was going great. And I just drove right through. It ripped my bike off the top. It ripped the roof rack off the car. It ripped actually the top bars off the Subaru. So everything, the rack and the bars broke, but not the bike. It's incredible. Oh, did <laughs> it damage noise. the car? Yeah, the roof bars. So I ended oh. up, a friend of a friend totaled her Subaru right around the same time. And I took her roof bars. It's a slightly different model year. We had to drill new holes on top of my car, but it was super custom. <laughs> had them plugged with these little copper looking bolts. It looked like tiny little antennas in front of the yeah. car. It was incredible. It worked out. Kaz? Kaz, have you ever owned a shuttle truck? Uh, no, I've never owned a pickup truck. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I have shuttle. I've used my vehicles to shuttle. Like I have a van. Vans make more sense than trucks. We'll get into that. But But no, I've never, one of these days I should get a pickup truck. We have a little Ford Ranger now that is kind of fun. But yeah, uh, yeah, I've never owned a truck. Yeah. I'm going to, I used to own, I used to own a Ford Ranger. It was a 97 Burgundy Ford Ranger. It had a little lift. It had some little big boy tires on there. And that poor truck, people that are listening that I used to ride with are probably like, oh God, we survived driving in that truck. Kaz, you can only imagine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was so bad, that poor thing. One time we had 16 bikes in the back of a regular box Ford Ranger. (laughs) Ridiculous. I think to get them out, because do you know what a a Rat King is? Do you guys know what a Rat King is? Uh So a rat king is basically when all these rats live together somewhere, like downstairs in the sewer, and they live so tightly that their tails get all stuck together and they create <laughs> one 
giant like ball of many rats. This is a real thing. <laughs> no, now it makes sense. I've heard this term before. I thought you were talking about like, some kind of like ratchet strap or something, but now, no. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to so Google that, this and look at pictures. <laughs> yeah. The pictures are gnarly. <laughs> oh, these are gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So think of a rat king, but bikes. So we had 16 bikes in, like some beside each other, some on top of each other. And to get them out, you would just have to pull them off the tailgate, like in one giant unit, one singular bike unit. <laughs> Not good. No. And we also used to have uh, a local guy owned a Unimog and he used to be able to pay, I think it was just five bucks and you would do, he would drive you up to the top of the mountain in a Unimog, which is pretty damn sweet. Have you guys ever done shuttles and anything like that? No Unimogs in my life. Yeah, I don't think so. I think so. We did have a $300 truck for a while that it belonged to my friend, but it was kind of communal. Like I drove it for a while and my car wasn't working and... I mean, it was just a really, really janky old Toyota. And it was so low that a buddy of mine built an extra rack above the tailgate. So you had the tailgate and then you had like 10 inches of additional wooden rack made out of like just two by fours and PVC pipe. Mm -hmm. So we we would put a ton of bikes across that. And that was really fun. And it was a $300 truck. You're speaking language right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's the way to do it. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, budget. People shouldn't spend all this money on vehicles. I think it's silly. I think budget things that are like run most of the time are the way to go. I've never spent more than $5,000 on a vehicle. Easy now, Kaz. Simmer down. <laughs> I'm not mad. People can buy all this stuff. I just don't have enough money for these fancy things. Kaz, can you tell me a bit about the vehicle that you have now? Because it's a pretty damn perfect vehicle for mountain biking, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I wish they would make a new one, but I have a 99 GMC Safari. So same thing as like an Astro van and it's the all wheel drive version. Yeah. I put some bigger tires on there. The biggest that'll fit and they don't quite fit because they were rubbing the frame a bit. So I had to smash the frame a little to fix it. Um, but yeah, I like it. It doesn't drive great and it's kind of silly, but the size is so perfect because I can fit in normal parking spaces. It has windows so I can actually see when I'm changing lanes. I had a bigger van for like not even a year, but I couldn't see out the windows when I was changing lanes, like driving through the city. And I hated that. So, um, yeah, I like it. I took the middle seat out so I can roll bikes in there if I need to, if I'm going to go into like get groceries or whatever, then I don't have to worry about them being on the rack. That's another thing is like traveling. I just don't like having my bikes out in the open. No, that's the thing. I've never been a huge fan of trucks. Vans make so much sense for that, for traveling like that. Yeah. Is you, have you converted your van to sleep in or anything, Kaz, or do you plan to? Uh, probably not just cause it's so, it's such a shitty van that I feel like it might break like at any moment. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time converting it, but like I can just toss a sleeping pad in the back and sleep there and I've done that and then it'll fit a bike and a sleeping pad. So it's just me and it's pretty good for just low key. Right. Yeah. And the windows are tinted, so I don't have to worry about like blacking it out too much. I can just put something over the, put a blanket over the front two seats so nobody can see in the back there and it works yeah. pretty good. Those, those all wheel drive Astro vans, they're a bit of a secret with skiers and mountain bikers, aren't they? People love those things. Yeah, they're pretty good. I think them and like the Honda Element is a more modern version. And I wish somebody would make the next generation of that, just like a, a minivan that doesn't look super horrible that you could, that's all wheel drive and like affordable too, I feel like. Like you can get these for pretty cheap because they are kind of crappy-ish, but they're pretty yeah. fun too. Do you have a name for your van? No, I never named my vehicles. They don't last that long either, which might be related to how much I pay for them. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I haven't named it. But I don't know. It, it has been good, though. I do like okay. it. Well, next podcast, I'm going to ask you to tell me the name of your van. So you've got a week to come up with the name, okay? okay. Someone could probably name it in the comments. Commenters can do it. It's a white... <laughs> I'll put it, we can put pictures up, but it's That's a white... Brave of you. Uh, 
Yeah, white GMC Safari. Somebody can name it if they want. Yeah, you Kaz, send me a photo. I'll put a photo of it in the article. Okay. I'll, maybe I'll put a photo of my Delica, my old Delica in the article oh, yeah. too. But before we get to my old van though, we have an actual real life van lifer here on the show. Alicia. Don't call me a van lifer. <laughs> you have a van that you lived in. I have a van. I have the same van as Kaz. I thought you wanted a variety of opinions here. Oh, shit. But I, have <laughs> I, a have like, I thought you had like a sprinter or something. <laughs> no, she has good taste too. No way. I have a 2000 GMC Safari. So oh, one yeah. year newer than Kaz's. Ooh. Is it all wheel drive? It is all wheel drive. Like yes, Kaz, I also have know. bigger tires on it, but I have a two inch lift kit, which came with the van. I didn't do that myself. But it does make it a little more practical and drive even more like a wet cardboard box. I think it's pretty great. I think it's the ideal mountain bike vehicle. For me, the selling really? point was, yeah, well, ideal is a strong word, but it's a mountain bike vehicle. It works. <laughs> it is one. It's pretty good. Those. I think they're good. That might be as far as I go, actually. So, Alicia, you have done, you have done some real time living in that thing, haven't you? How long have you stayed in that thing? And what did you like about it? So I stayed in it all in all, it was about two years. There were a couple little breaks in there when I was staying with other people, namely because I got cold. And I liked that I didn't have to pay rent. That was the main thing. So I got the van. Yeah. I got the van because my Subaru died and I needed a vehicle. By the time I bought the van and built it out, I didn't have money to pay rent. So went and lived in the van. It made the decision for me. And I like it. I just really enjoyed not paying rent. I was doing the whole enduro thing and on the road a lot every summer. So it didn't, didn't really make sense to have a place. I just really enjoyed going around and deciding where it would be home for the next month or two. Eventually I got what, cold and tired. Oh, what, go on. What was your Instagram hashtag while you were, while you were gramming the van life on the road? <laughs> I can't say I grammed the van life. I, I think there's, <laughs> there's a photo of my van on Instagram somewhere. I don't think I... I'm not really an Instagram van lifer. Maybe I should have been. I think I could have milked yeah. that a lot more. Maybe. What was your What was your favorite part about being on the road and living in your van? I think being able to make it up as I go was really nice for a long time. Like just pick a place. I could go to Colorado for two months and just pick up and leave. And then say, go back to Montana, pick up and leave and decide that was just where I wanted to be. I wasn't really tied to going anywhere or returning to anywhere necessarily. And that was nice. Mostly it was just because I didn't want to pay rent, though. Like that. Yeah, that's that was it. really it. <laughs> you and Casimir are on the same program. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, what, what year Subaru did you have? Did you have like an old one? Because Subaru is one of my favorite cars. Oh, yeah. I had an 88 GL10, which is still one of my favorite things ever. Because it had oh, a center lock amazing. differential. Like you could just lock it in the, on the console. And it had a digital dashboard. And it was from 88. So it looked really futuristic. That's and it was fantastic. like fantastic. And it was a wagon, so I could fit my bike inside it. That's still when they had those weird boxy wagons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it fits the whole bike. Just like I could fold the back seats down, slide the whole bike in. Mm-hmm. I could sleep in the back, too. Yeah, so the main thing for the van, the reason I got it was you could just roll the bikes in. You could have two bikes side by side upright without taking them apart at all and still have a bed next to them. And that's pretty great. I'm lazy. I don't what? want to take wheels off. What was the most challenging part? What did you get tired of, of living in the van? Was there anything, were you ever like, Jesus Christ, I'm done with this? Yeah, everything's an extra chore. Like things that aren't a big deal at home, like washing dishes, suddenly are an operation in the van. 
Like, you should just use paper plates. You could just throw them out the window when you're done. I have a little bit of a conscience. Oh. Can't do that. <laughs> so just day-to-day life, like everything takes more time, I imagine. Cleaning up. For sure. Cleaning the dishes. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, and just figuring out where you're going to go. Eventually, I ended up for a while parking outside my friend's house here in Missoula. We called it the third bedroom and just joked that I was raising his property value. And so for a while there, I'd like shower in his house and use the kitchen and use the washing machine, all of that. That made life easier, but it also made me realize that I actually just want to live in a home. Yeah. It's nice to have a place to go back to, a place right? to go out from. Yeah. I, if I think back 10 or 15 years, I dreamed about owning some sort of amazing camper van and just flitting around willy-nilly wherever I wanted mm-hmm. to. No rules apply to me. I'm van lifing. But at the end of the day, I I think nowadays anyway, I mean, I want to go home and I want to have a shower. I think I got soft maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but while I've never lived in lived in a van full-time, I've definitely done a whole bunch of road trips in them. And I would argue that the ideal mountain biker's vehicle is a Mitsubishi Delica L300. Do you know what those are, Alicia? Yeah, they're those weird little narrow ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're super cool. They're yeah. small, though. Uh, I think ideal is a little bigger. Well, I mean, I don't want to live in it, personally. Like, for me, I want something to use as a road trip. So I, I owned a Delica, an L300, mm-hmm. for like 11 years. Oh, I've heard. And... We, my buddy Wayne and I, we drove that thing down to Arizona almost every year, 30 hours, real slow, but there's literally not a better road trip vehicle, I think. If you're not looking for something to sleep in, yeah, you can't stand up in it, but it's just comfortable. I had this big rubber mat in the back so I could just like hose out, hose it out. It's perfect for dogs and bikes, no seats. Kaz, what? <laughs> I, I don't mean, if you think it's perfect, <laughs> I remember RC hotwiring it in the parking lot in Sedona, which was one of the best moments ever where he... He like yeah. fixed your throttle cable with, I don't even know. He like pulled out a multi-tool and hot-wired it because we were, the sun was setting, it was getting cold and then RC came through and got it going. It didn't, it wasn't ever, it was such a cold vehicle. I just remember being cold. We had a lot of glass. It has yeah. lots of glass. And the heaters it had, it didn't. Had, it was a sunroof or a moonroof or yeah. something? Yeah. The whole yeah. roof, it had a, it's called a crystal light roof. So the whole roof yeah. was glass, it had a sunroof over the front seats, huge side windows and back windows. Yeah, it was kind of sketchy sometimes, though. I remember when the... Th- Were you with us when the throttle cable broke just outside of Flagstaff at, like, 3 in the morning, and I fixed it with a shift cable and, like, a ferrule, a threaded barrel adjuster and some other stuff, and okay. I kept it like that for, like, four years. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, by the end, the way you started, it was, like, literally, like, a trigger thing. You just, like... Yeah, it had a remote start. Made. Yeah, a remote start. <laughs> it, I liked that thing. It wasn't amazing, but it was good. Like, it's a good vehicle. Yeah. I wouldn't buy one though. After all the time spent in that, I would not. It's not on my list of vehicles that I want to own. Well, they're way too expensive now because now they're cool. When I bought it, nobody wanted it because it was weird. Yeah. And And they still, it was still still shouldn't buy them. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kaz, my question here if you got yourself a kick ass sprinter van or Promaster van, one, would you still want something like that? And two, if you got one, where's the first place you would go? A van would be cool and I wouldn't mind having one, but it's not really on my list. Like the people, I go back to the money thing, but people are dropping like a hundred grand on vans. Hotels are pretty cheap. Like mm-hmm. if you have a hundred thousand dollars, you could just stay in so many well, hotels. they don't. I know. Well, but I know they mortgage people, them or something, but like, yeah, yeah. but you could also go camping. Like I really like just setting up a tent or not even setting up a tent, just like sleeping in my sleeping bag on the ground. So 
it's still like more dirtbag than than full van like sprinter van person so it's not really on my list but uh where i would go i don't know like a couple months from now i'd probably just drive down in the desert for some time right because it'll be cold and rainy here so i'd escape down to sedona or somewhere what is on your list what's your dream mountain biker vehicle one that doesn't break uh, something that doesn't break and doesn't require a lot of maintenance What's that? You can tell me. You can be my shopper, like my, uh, what should I, <laughs> what is your budget? How many hundreds of dollars do you have to spend? <laughs> That's thing. Yeah. I don't have any money. <laughs> I mean, like Tacomas, everybody has them. They're super cliche, but like if I had money, one of those Tacomas or something like that looks good, but they cost, they're insane. Even old ones, I think cost more than new ones. Oh, they're yeah. Tacomas yeah. are, Tacomas are crazy. Also the forerunners. Like I saw a new forerunner. I was like, Oh, those look nice. And then I looked at the price and I was like, Oh, that's a lot of money. I can't yeah. afford one. I had an old forerunner. I bought one from Paris Gore, like before. So three vehicles ago, I had a forerunner, like a 90, there's a 94 forerunner with the, uh, at the 22 RE, the Toyota 22 RE engine. And that vehicle was pretty good. Like it was rusting. It was probably, but it, yeah, it could do a lot and it was yeah. a pretty good shuttle vehicle. You could put bikes and stuff in it, but yeah. All right. So, so we're off topic, but I don't know. I don't really have an ideal because I'm not really like, I appreciate vehicles, but I don't like spend all my money on them. So right. I'll take whatever someone wants to give me. Okay. On Free that one. note, <laughs> since Kaz doesn't have an answer for me, Alicia, what is your dream mountain biker vehicle? I do really like the van thing. So I think maybe a van, but bigger one you could stand up in. Yeah. I think Ford Transit or Promaster or something along those lines. The one short in length, but tall height-wise, would be pretty great. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I don't want to sleep in a vehicle. I want to sleep in a bed at the Airbnb or the hotel that I end up after my long day of driving. <laughs> so for me, I think I would like an interesting vehicle that I enjoy driving there, but something that you could still put the bikes in and maybe sleep in if you have to. My dream mountain bike vehicle would probably be a Mercedes-Benz 300 TD wagon, Kaz. They cost too much. Yeah, they cost too much now because now they're all hipster and cool. But man, that's traveling in style, Kaz. (laughs) Is that diesel or is it gas? Yeah, that's diesel. Yeah, Yeah, I can picture that one. Yeah, I know. My boring one would be like a Subaru Forester seems pretty practical too. Like a little easier to drive and then it's not van life, but you can still fit a bunch of stuff in it. I've seen some cool ones like a, a small lift, like a couple inch lift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I asked everybody at Pink Bike what they would want for a dream vehicle with riding in mind. And I got a few replies for some people. Some are better than others, but I'm going to start with Tom Richards. Tom is our video. He's part of our video and photo team. Tom loves old and interesting cars. He's got a few old, beautiful goodies that I love. He suggested a Volkswagen Doka Synchro. He says it's his dream bike shuttle vehicle. All the capability of a modern 4x4 truck. It's got a low range, locking diffs, but without the ridiculous engine. He says, plus it has special features that make it good for bikes and shuttling, like storage area between the cabs where you could put your muddy gear. And plus it looks interesting. We actually filmed a video with the guys Doka Synchro that I hope is going to come out soon, but... These are super interesting sort of cab over vehicles that go very slow, Kaz, but they have a whole ton of character. Um, Somebody else had answered, Max Barron. Kaz, did you see Max's reply when I asked him? It was perfect. I appreciate Max's reply. (laughs) Yeah, you would. So Max's dream ideal vehicle for mountain biking, he posted a photo of the bus that goes between the Whistler villages with the bike racks that you could put your bikes on. So for him, he just wants to get to Whistler and that works. 
Seb Stott suggested a BMW 3 Series Estate. That's a station wagon, uh, plus a bike rack for taking more people. He says that he would just get an e-bike if he wanted something to shuttle with. And he picked the 3 Series over the 5 Series because it's smaller and less expensive. I can picture Seb Stott listening to German techno music, Kaz. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I'm gonna add one in here that my buddy's working on what'll probably be the ultimate shuttle vehicle eventually. It's a work in progress, but he's got an old Volvo, like the kind of classic, like boxy Volvo, and he's putting a Corvette engine in it. Oh, oh yeah, wow. that's had to, exactly it. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's perfect. He had to, like, he's a wizard, so he knows how to like do all this stuff. But he had to like CNC the the motor mounts himself and like get it all going. But I think he has the engine in it now. It's like one of those endless projects, but yeah. eventually there will be like a sleeper. Uh, Volkswagen with a Corvette engine and I saw a picture of it with a bike rack on it too so oh man after my own heart yeah you have fun on the way to the mountain you're sideways on the way to the mountain (laughs) sideways while you're on the mountain sideways when you're on the way home and this guy knows how to drive so if he gets it going it's gonna be scary and fun right right do you guys know of any professional riders and racers that have interesting vehicles Uh, we know Eric has sports cars he does Uh, yeah. yeah I think he's pretty. He keeps it on the DL. Here we're blowing up his spot here, but I know that Gwyn has had some some sporty McLarens before. I think a pretty fast Porsche as well. Have you guys seen the Defender that Brendan Fairclaw has? Yeah, I've never seen. I think he like his drive shaft or something snapped in some video once, and he like strapped it together. And yeah, it looked like yeah. he was doing some good stuff with it. Beautiful. I like how those look. Yeah, those are cool. Beautiful. And there's also at the other end of the spectrum the Free Radicals. Those guys that ride specialized bikes, they have an F-250 flat deck on 37s, Kaz. It looks pretty gnarly. Apparently, it runs on veggie oil. That's cool. So it smells like French fries while you're doing shuttle runs. Yeah. Right? That'd be great. And then the other one that comes to mind is Ryan Leach's custom Earth Cruiser camper. He's put this thing on a Ram Power Wagon. He's set up for real-life adventure, not being 70 and camping at some KOA campground. So... It's got lots of solar panels and it's made to get into while you're dirty and you could just wipe it out. And yeah, it's pretty neat, pretty neat setup. I don't think that one's too inexpensive. Something that I have on my list would be a pin scour. Do you guys know what that is? A pin scour? I don't. Yeah. It's like in the Unimog style thing, isn't it? It's like Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda like that. So it's uh it's a military vehicle. And they were made from, I think, the early 70s to like the mid-2000s, maybe. So pretty old. And you can get them either with four wheels, so four by four, or you can get them with six wheels. <laughs> I've seen videos of this thing going up like four and a half foot high curbs, just right up the curb, up and over it. Uh, they used to be made in Austra- Austria, but I think they're made in the UK now. And they're, I mean, they're a military vehicle, so super loud. I think it goes 60 miles an hour. It's probably cold as hell. It has a canvas top, but Kaz, it has character. It's interesting. It does. And if you got the six-wheel one, you have six-wheel drive. So not too many people have six-wheel drive. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you could yeah. win. You're like, oh, yeah, put a big winch on it. And that'd be good. Like if you, I could see some like shuttle servers running those, like you were saying, like if you, if a place that had people go to visit and just drive that thing, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. I just Googled it. This thing is incredible. Right. Should yeah. we get a pink bike pin scour? There's this one with the lifted so. high top roof. Yeah. Like a little they hipster camper sweet. thing. This is Robin, we need a right. pin scour. Yeah. I think we each need our own pin scour. <laughs> we'll just station them in like different spots around the world. Unfortunately, yeah. they're they're more money than they used to be. Like a really nice one 
that's fully restored and ready to go, they can go up to $100,000. But I've seen them on Bring a Trailer for right around $20,000, which, I mean, it's not too crazy if it's your... If you're going to live in it, if it's your house. I think I've been in one. I think that's what they shuttle at that Wairora Gorge bike park that I was talking about a couple of oh, really? episodes ago. Yeah, I think that's You've what they use. You've been in a Pinsgauer, Kaz. I think so. It looks like it was. Tell, tell me about the experience. I mean, it was cool because they had like a bench. They just had benches in the back so you could fit like 10 people in the back there. And it was rough, but it went up the road. It did its job. Yeah, it was loud. It was loud. Yeah, just kind of like, like you would expect a big like industrial vehicle. I'm pretty sure that's where we're in. I could be having weird memories, but it looks so familiar. I feel like I've been in one before. Yeah. So somewhere someone has this for shuttling. Yeah. I'm jealous. I think we need one of those. Yeah. All right. So it is decided we're going to get ourselves a pink bike, Pinsgauer. We're going to park it at my house and it's going to be added to my daily driver fleet. It'll be perfect. <laughs> your neighbor's going to love you. <laughs> they already love me. <laughs> we should talk about your mini a little bit cuz it's not a mountain biker vehicle. I didn't No, but I want to tell people about how we started it the other day and Oh yeah, it walk- started. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so Levi's got this mini that lots of people probably have seen before. It's been in the huck to flat a few years ago, but the the tailpipe doesn't go straight out. It sticks upwards. And it's been sitting in his driveway. I don't think he started it in the last 5 months or something for various reasons, but it's broken. It was broken, but the other day we started it and the amount of water that came out of the tailpipe, like rusty water and blew into the air was very amazing. I never seen anything like it. <laughs> it's just a few liters. Yeah. And it, it was perfect. Like the way that tailpipe is shaped, it just like blasted it all behind. So it was special, but. I was stoked to see Chris and JC out driving it around the block. Yeah. It, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, I love it, it anytime anybody else drives the car and I'm just watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the water shot out there, uh, I don't know, a couple of meters. You know, Kaz, I put a roll cage in that thing. So before, I was using a strap-on rack that's kind of scary, I don't really like. It, around the corners, I think it's going to slide off all the time. Yeah. And then uh, Sarah got me a sea sucker rack. So we're going to talk about racks in a minute. But the sea sucker rack, for those that don't know, it's these big suction cups and you like you pump it up and it goes on. I haven't had a single issue with this thing. No problems. <laughs> Man, am I scared of it though? <laughs> yeah, there's suction yes. cups on your I'm so car. Fascinated like, by those things, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. plus the but, roof that's made of like tin foil. So I'm picturing the yeah. whole roof just peeling off when you're on the corner, <laughs> <laughs> just from wind resistance with the bike on top. It just yeah. like peels it open like a can uh-huh. of tuna. No, the, I haven't had a single problem with that. But the problem is, is I don't really trust it. So I had been putting the bikes or my bike. It only fits one bike inside the mini. Take the wheels off. But now I've got a roll cage in it. I really fucked myself. Now I can't even fit a bike inside. If I want to get my mountain bike inside the mini cas, when it was running, I was driving up to Whistler to go riding and I had to take the fork off to get my mountain bike inside. (laughs) It is the most impractical mountain biker vehicle you could possibly have. (laughs) The thing is though, my entire life revolves around bikes. So for me... I like something that it's not only just like not about bikes. It's specifically, I've made it super difficult to be anything to do with bikes. So yeah, that's why I like it. But we should probably talk about bike racks and some vehicle must-haves for mountain bikers. So Alicia, do you have a favorite bike rack? Because I don't. They're almost all terrible. I honestly don't either. I don't have a bike rack on my van. I think about getting one sometimes, but... Honestly, the ones I like are all from like local welders who just yeah. figure out something that works. 
I can't say I'm a fan of any of the particular brands out there, mostly because I just haven't played with them enough. Like, I don't think haven't you should. found what so, I love. No, yeah, good ones. I've got that Kuat rack. This is the two bike one. It actually works super well, and it folds up real easy. Like, I like one that you can just like put against your car for when you don't have bikes on there. Um, and I don't like the the kind that hang down are fine for when you're shuttling, but for normal like driving around, I don't think like having your bike hanging from like a North shore style rack, like it, it does work. But I think that I like the convenience of the little two bike one being able to fold it up against. So yeah, I just have like a Kuat, um, like one of the nicer ones and it's pretty good. It's got a little like knob to twist to expand it in your hitch, which is another thing. Like I hate when racks rattle around. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've had to buy those moto, um, hitch tighteners before for some racks, but this one is just like always solid and tight. So I've used a lot of uh, tray style racks like you're talking about Kaz from many different companies Kuat, Thule, uh, One Up, I don't know a bunch of other ones over the years man it just seems like after a couple years on the back of a vehicle they're either close to falling apart or you know I have some big long 29er and the stupid like arms don't go over the wheels quite nice or the arms like catch on the dropout or rubs on the fork it just seems like these folding tray style racks there's just always like they're so finicky and rattly the one exception i will say is um one up that's the american one up i think they're in florida not canadian one up that makes mountain bike components one up that makes bike racks they do a very expensive all aluminum rack that i liked a lot uh, but it would still be pretty finicky kaz i'm not a fan yeah i don't know the one i like i like it i got it the arm got a little like rusty or like whatever but they warrantied it i don't know like it seems like it works pretty good i recommend it and then i have i have one of those uh hanging style ones from velocirax that they sent and that thing's been holding up too it's kind of like a recon rack knockoff basically i think it's made made overseas but uh, pretty easy to load and it does hold i think i got the five bike one so Mm -hmm. that works but then uh, those are another one where it's like there's a lot of little companies making cool stuff like have you seen those letter buck racks no. It's a guy here in town. That's the one that um, you saw the other day on that, that the big black truck. Oh, that well, one. yes. The huge aluminum thing. Uh-huh. What's the company yeah. that makes those? It's Letter Buck, just like L-E-T apostrophe in the wrong place, E-R Buck. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a guy here in Bellingham. But it's they look big, amazing. Yeah. Big, burly aluminum um, style thing. And he's an awesome welder. And I think he's, yeah. he's selling them now. So they're pretty cool. So that's kind of like the, if you have a giant truck, you might as well have a rack that like fits with it. And that's a yeah. good one. Would you say if, would you guys say that if you're moving bikes, you know, three, four, five days a week, if you have bikes on the back of your vehicle all the time, that a hanging rack makes the most sense? I think so, eh? Well, I it think, just depends what you're doing. Yeah, it depends on what you're doing. If you're pulling it on and off, if I got a bike rack, I think I would get one of those big, burly aluminum hanging ones. I just, I'm one person with usually just one bike and I just roll it right into the van. Yeah. Well, that's and the for best me, way. That makes the most sense. Yeah. That is, that is the best way to put it inside your van or inside your vehicle for sure. But I feel like those hanging racks, they basically have no moving parts. Most bikes can fit on them. E-bikes. Yeah. I think around, there's mm-hmm. some head issues with big head tubes and stuff, Kaz, but besides that, there's nothing to wear out. They almost can't fall off as long as you put them on, right? There's nothing to come loose. I don't know. My vote, hanging rack. I feel yeah. like with tray racks, you're always just trying to figure out handlebars and seats and getting the bikes to fit with each other. And the hanging yeah. racks, you just don't have that problem of bikes playing nice with each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Especially for more than two bikes. Like when you do see people that have the tray racks, like four tray racks sticking out, like that's ridiculous. You're, Such you're just pain. extending your car's wheelbase by 40 feet. Like, yeah. I saw a long box extended cab truck of some kind up on the mountain a few weeks ago. So the thing is already about 250 feet long. It's like the longest truck you could possibly buy. He had a four bike rack on the back. He had a two inch receiver on the front with a four bike rack on the front <laughs> and both were folded down. It was like a land train. It was crazy. <laughs> I was impressed. Yeah. It must be so stressful to drive around. Right? Like just going around corners is an event. Yeah, I would imagine. So for mountain bikers who have vehicles, what else would you guys recommend that they should look at? Something that comes to mind for me would be seat covers. That's an obvious one. Do you guys use seat covers? Seat covers? Are yeah, you I don't, but I have no. towels. If it's muddy, bring a towel. Ka- see, Kaz asked me oh, if I'm I thought, you po- I thought you were talking about for the bike. I was like, you cover your bike seat? Like, you know those little like stretchy things? Kaz, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want to get my gel seat cover soaked in water. Because <laughs> I've seen those like, like those little like yeah. bike condom things. I thought that's yeah. what you're talking about. No, yeah, yeah. Seat covers for your car. That's a good idea if you have a nicer car. Because, uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. There's no problem. I don't sense. have a nicer car. Yeah. yeah, I just always have a towel. Like I sit on a towel when I'm all super muddy. Yeah, sure. yeah. I just went to Canadian Tire and I think I spent fifteen dollars on a seat yeah. cover. You don't you don't need those fancy ones from the bike companies or whatever. The other thing that we always have in our car is the suitcase toolkit thing. And I know it's not specifically car related, but it's this big Topeak black suitcase with all these tools and it just lives in the back of our Jeep. And if there's an issue, we can help ourselves. We can help other people. Do you guys have a like a dedicated car kit like that? I've got like a feedback sports makes like a same kind of thing and like a little zip up case that I use it in my shop too. But when I go on a, ro- on a road trip, I bring that because it does have most tools and it's just like portable. And I can like stash it somewhere where people wouldn't see if they peek into the car. Like, cause that's another thing, like thieves just kind of like try to keep stuff all as low key as possible. So I don't like to have like a fancy toolbox in the car. I want things mm-hmm. I can like tuck out of, out of way. So when people look in, they don't see anything they might want to snag. My anti-theft system as I, I don't have consolidated tools. I just have random tools floating around the car. Just way more difficult to steal. In the, back. Yeah. <laughs> the guy trying to rob bucket. your car is like looking. Oh, like, I need the four mil no out. Where is it? <laughs> exactly. Only it I just, know where to find things. Everything's yeah. just rattling around as you're driving down the road in your safari. <laughs> oh, that's too real. <laughs> yeah. It's already rattling already. (laughs) (laughs) What other things might a mountain biker consider for their vehicles? One thing that you mentioned, Kaz, earlier, tinted windows. If you've got gear in the back of your vehicle, I don't know about you guys, but I've had mountain bike gear stolen from my truck many years ago. Uh, The one night I forgot my full face and backpack in the truck. Like I literally don't ever leave them in the truck. One night. Somebody looked in, it got stolen. I didn't have tinted windows. So I think that's a big one. What about you guys? Yeah, tinted windows or window covers. Like if you're going to be spending the night somewhere and, and want to just be low key, or even if you're going inside and just want people not to be able to peer into your car, like you can make them out of cardboard or foam or whatever. They're pretty easy. Little like magnet strips and Velcro. Classic Casimir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just simple. It doesn't have to cost. Like that's the whole thing. You can do a lot of stuff on a budget too. Like, I don't know. You can go, mm-hmm. go get fancy things and cartons and stuff, but yeah, just yeah. basics. Yeah. yeah, the window covers are good. I like that a lot. The magnets and Velcro, you have to plan for the seasons. Velcro melts off in the summer if you use the double-sided sticky kind. And magnets, if you use super glue, if it gets really cold, they get brittle and break off. 
It's a huge pain. Got a van, a van Those are next level tips. Here. Those are good. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had to deal Seasonal with that. problems. Yeah, Bellingham has pretty moderate temperatures all year round, but you've had that's that's a good tips. You Alicia, cut, what do you do for showers when you're van lifing? Join a gym, unless it's COVID, then you're kind of out of luck. But yeah, yeah, gym is really where it's at. You can waste all your time there. It'll accidentally get you more fit. You can take showers. <laughs> Use their <It's> Wi-Fi. <laughs> Make some friends. <laughs> have Have you ever used one of those solar showers? Uh, I've borrowed a friend's. I've never owned one. I and? think they're cool. If it's if you're in a warm place, it's great. If you're in a cold place, you're never going to use it. Yeah. But yeah, I've used them like in the desert. It was pretty hot though. I think if it were any cooler, I would not enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have I have a short list of things that I would recommend for people, just to close this out, that I would recommend for people who are considering living on the road for a little bit or going on a little road trip. Number one, if you can afford it, an awning of some sort. I had one on the Delica and it had these little LED lights around the outside and it really set the mood when Wayne and I were like in some gravel parking lot, just smashed from like a 30 hour drive followed by a 10 hour ride. We could just set up this awning and it was like we, we just had our own little place. It was great. Two other things, some sort of fake green grass. You know, you can get like those like uh, rolls of uh, like fake turf or whatever, the fake grass. One of those, you just roll it out in front of your van or beside the sliding door. And it just like, it goes that little bit farther to making it feel like you belong, you know, like you're not homeless. Like you're just, <laughs> just practicing being homeless. <laughs> and then lastly, the absolute most important thing I've had these in every single vehicle that I've used for mountain biking, lawn chairs, multiple lawn chairs, whether they're like little fold up stools or like a full size comfy lawn chair, that is a absolute must have. I'll second the chair. I think having at least one chair, like one person can sit sort of on the tailgate of the van. The other person can sit in the chair if you have multiple people or have yeah. another person pull up their van, but totally second the chair for the lawn. I've never carried my own lawn with me personally <laughs> but i do have a giant towel that's almost a carpet it's so big it is yeah that works yeah. it's big to the point where it's impractical to use as a towel but it's great for almost everything else and it makes it feel like home like should fancy I, little rug should i just start bringing like a giant rug like a giant persian rug and just, <laughs> yeah, un just full size. Un I think roll it in the whistler parking lot <laughs> absolutely the fluffier the better yeah yeah bring out the hookah <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up with comment gold. The first one is from Powderhound Burr. He says, okay, this was underneath our e-bike podcast article, just for some framing. Powderhound Burr says, I am totally against e-bikes until I can afford one. And then I am totally on board. I feel like that's some people cast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, L Ortega. I definitely didn't pronounce your name right. This was also underneath the e-bike podcast. He says, change equals the fear of every middle-aged white guy. He's probably not wrong. I feel threatened by e-bikes, Casimir. <laughs> I know you do. All right. Our last comment, Gold. This is from Larky1. This is also on the e-bike podcast. He says, more audio blood sports between Levy versus anyone who has a slightly different opinion. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need more of that. Yeah. All right. 
I could talk about cars and trucks for at least a few more hours, but that's going to be it for episode 80. There is a ton more to cover, so make sure you put your vehicle suggestions or modification ideas down in the comment section below for everybody else to disagree with. And maybe we'll not talk about motors next podcast. We'll see. Actually, episode 81 is going to be our Q&A episode, I think. I'm like 80% sure that next episode is Q&A. So if you guys want an entire episode where we answer questions, put them down below in the comment section. And if there's enough of them, we'll do exactly that for next episode. And remember, please remember to like, share, subscribe, all those things. At least give us a 7 out of 10 rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on, if not even higher. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week.